Welcome to the Story Exchange. Today, we want to talk about moments. Those moments of sudden insight and clarity. When you say, ah, I get it, I understand now. I'm Colleen DeBase. And I'm Sue Williams. That is aha. That's an aha moment. And that, of course, is Oprah Winfrey. Who we can thank for coining the phrase aha moments. We recently spoke to a woman who's had a lot of aha moments in her long and celebrated career. So my name is Karen Washington. And not just quote-unquote aha moments, but deeply profound moments that shaped her life and career in really unexpected ways. I tell people I'm a farmer, I grow food, I feed people body and mind. I've been growing food in New York City for over 37 years. Can you see the gray in my hair? Karen is the founder of the Garden of Happiness and the Rise and Root Farm. And she is, quite literally, planting the seeds for future generations of urban farmers and food activists to grow. So I grew up in New York City, in the Lower East Side, 10th Street and Avenue D, the Jacob Reese Houses. You may not know her name, but Karen has been widely recognized for turning empty city lots into community gardens. She's been named one of Ebony Magazine's Power 100. She's won a James Beard Award, and she even went to the White House to receive an award for her work from Michelle Obama. I particularly want to recognize our guest of honor today, uh, this year's medal winners, for your tremendous contributions to our communities. Karen is also a committed activist when it comes to food justice. She's given a TEDx talk, spoken at Harvard, and, speaking of coining terms, has come up with her own phrase to describe the lack of healthy food in low-income communities. You said a little bit famously, there's no food desert, there's food apartheid. Definitely. I, I coined the term food apartheid because I just got tired of people talking about our community in terms of food deserts. Everybody knows where the crappy food goes. It doesn't go into white neighborhoods. It goes into poor neighborhoods. Walk around the Bronx, for example, and you'll see plenty of fast food restaurants. You just won't see a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's. Healthy food is based on the color of your skin, how much money you make, and where you live. How Karen became a farmer is interesting, considering she grew up in the public housing projects. I was a tomboy, so I loved playing baseball, softball, stickball. So I was like a double dutch champion at one time. Her father was actually in the food business. He was the first African-American produce manager at this chain called Met Food. I never realized, took it for granted, that the fact that we had three meals a day, my mom was a good cook. Her parents really stressed the importance of education, so Karen went to Hunter College and began a long career as a physical therapist. I landed on the job of my life at Montefiore Medical Center. That's in the Bronx? I was at Montefiore for 23 years because I think I missed the 25, what is it, the, the watch or something like that. Around 1985, Karen landed another opportunity, the chance to buy a home. Back during the early 1980s, the borough president at the time was Fernando Ferrer, said that he wanted to bring the middle class back to the Bronx. The Bronx had a reputation of being, the Bronx was burning, everybody was leaving the Bronx, it was white flight. Karen's new home, a city row house, which she purchased with $500 down, had a big backyard. Her neighbor to the left had a lawn, her neighbor to the right put down cement. So I said, you know what, hmm, maybe I'll try and grow some food. 
even though she had no farming background or gardening background whatsoever. She decided to plant vegetables. She used information she got from a how-to gardening book from the library. To my surprise, I always tell the story. It was a tomato that changed my world. Tell your tomato story. I've told it so many times. You still want to hear it? Karen really does tell the story a lot, but it's a good one. Here's the version she told the Harvard Law Forum. The thing that I hated the most was a tomato. Hit a tomato, came in the cellophane, green cellophane, and it was pink. So in her new garden, she decided instead to plant collard greens, eggplant, and some pepper. But just for the heck of it, she threw in some tomato seeds. So all of a sudden, I saw this thing that was red. And I said, what is this object that's red and growing on a vine? Because my relationship to a tomato was, it was in a supermarket. So getting this red thing that I grew, that I picked from this vine and ate it, and oh my goodness, the sunshine was just coming down my arm, the juices, and never experienced anything like that before in my life. It was your aha moment. It was my aha moment, right, that um, wanted me, it, that really um, propelled me to want to grow everything. You know, I'm saying, well, I can grow tomato, I can grow oranges, I can grow bananas. I found that I couldn't do those things because they're tropical, but I still had the zest to, to grow and want to grow whatever I could here in New York. Now that Karen was hooked on gardening, she began to notice the empty lot across the street. So from 1985 to 1988, I would look out my window and I would see an empty lot and that empty lot started to be filled with garbage, abandoned cars. Um, and you had so, so much in terms of illegal activity going on with prostitution and drug use. One day she saw a man with a shovel and a pick. It was a neighbor named Jose Lugo. And I said, what do you plan on doing? He said, I want to do a garden. And I said, oh, can I help? Another aha moment in my life. As she and Jose began their gardening project, one day, a green pickup truck pulled up. And on the truck, it read, Bronx Green Up. So two women come out of this big truck. One was Terry Keller. The other was Suzanne, her assistant. And they were from the New York Botanical Garden. Now, my history with the New York Botanical Garden was it was an elitist place. It wasn't for Bronxites. It was a place catered to wealthy white people that lived in Connecticut or Westchester. And it wasn't a place that was inviting for people like me. But the women explained they'd started a program called Bronx Green Up. We're here to help turn this empty lot into a community garden. And they did, thanks to the work of many people and donations of trees and bushes and seeds from the botanical garden. What had been an eyesore on Karen's block became a community garden officially called the Garden of Happiness. To curiosity, people would come by and ask if they could help. And then this garden was really built um, with many Southern Blacks and Puerto Ricans that were farmers and came in and found, oh my goodness, I have a little piece of land that I can continue to grow food. How big is the lot? It's three quarters of an acre. Do people have like a little allotment there? Yes, we have 26 plots and they're mostly like 10 by 20 feet. So everyone has their own little oasis. How much can you grow in 10 by 20 feet? You can grow a lot if you do companion gardening and intercropping. 
say for instance in my plot I grow collards uh, I grow kale I grow basil I grow tomatoes I grow peppers plants feed off one another and help one another grow and so yeah you can you can do a lot in a little plot use your imagination that fateful meeting between Karen and the women from the New York Botanical Garden turned into a long partnership. I would go with Terry and Suzanne around the Bronx, looking at empty lots and meeting people, encouraging people to turn the empty lots into community gardens. Today, there are dozens of community gardens throughout the Bronx. And the rest of the city. And there's farmers markets. Karen helped establish the very first one in the Bronx in 2004, part of her mission to get healthy food to all neighborhoods, not just the affluent ones. And she made sure the garden stayed open when the pandemic hit. We got on a webinar with the New York City Health Department to do COVID precautions so that we can open the garden safely, which we did. When we come back, we'll share one more poignant moment from Karen's career. A moment that filled her with fear, very unexpectedly. Stick around. The Story Exchange is an award-winning nonprofit media platform that elevates women's voices and achievements. Our $25,000 Women in Science Incentive Prize supports female scientists addressing climate change. Find out more at thestoryexchange.org. We've been sharing the story of Karen Washington, who's been called the godmother of urban farming. And it's amazing that she did all this community work while still working her day job as a physical therapist. In fact, in 2008, she needed to ask her employer, Montefiore Medical Center, for a six-month leave of absence to study sustainable farming at the University of California, Santa Cruz. A friend of mine was there four years prior and said, Karen, this place is amazing. You're going to learn so much. you got to come out. It's a special apprenticeship program that trains emerging leaders on the principles of small-scale farming. And so I went to my supervisor. I said, look, you know I'm doing a lot of work in the city around growing food. There's a program that I want to take to sort of expand my horizons. And much to her surprise, he said, okay. And so Karen flew to Santa Cruz. She got off the plane, and she vividly remembers that moment, that moment she looked out at a vast field where she was going to learn so much about land and soil. And she was caught off guard by what happened next. So I remember seeing the field for the first time, and I was fearful. I, all of a sudden, something that trauma set in because I looked at the field and all of the things around farming came to the surface like what are you doing here this is slave work you shouldn't be here when she told us that story during the interview I was so surprised and so moved so your reaction of looking at the large field slavery do you think A lot of black people have that same gut reaction when confronted with the same field and the idea of growing food. This country needs to talk about the stain of racism and oppression that was happening during slavery. It is a trauma that has transcended time and it continues to be part of our DNA. 
She used the word trauma a lot. It clearly still resonates. She actually wanted to get back on the plane. And so what I had to do, literally, what I had to do, literally, was to go to the field and put my hands in the soil to feel that connection of belonging. And when I felt that connection, then I said, I'm okay, I can do this six months. I can do, I can do this six months. But I had to do that. I had to face the fear. I had to do that. I had to face that fear. When Karen got back to New York, she was ready. Ready to shake up the food system. I just came back with this desire to ask that question, where are the black farmers? She actually called up the U.S. Census Bureau and asked, how many black farmers are there in New York State? The answer, of the state's 58,000 farmers, only 139 were black. And I just dropped the phone. That's a lot. We're talking about farming. Once again, she got busy, starting a group called Black Urban Growers. The acronym is BUGS. Hosting workshops and an annual conference to prompt conversations about food. Where does it come from? Who's providing it? Why don't we see more black farmers at farmers markets? And then in 2018, after finally retiring from physical therapy, she co-founded Rise and Root. So we have three acres. It's a farm in the Hudson Valley in upstate New York that encourages people from the BIPOC and LGBTQ communities to learn about farming. And so bringing our culture of rise and root, the essence of who we are as women, trying to grow food that is accessible for all people, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their finances, regardless of whatever. It's a healing farm. The farm provides vegetables, fruits, herbs, and seedlings to farmers' markets and restaurants. And this time, when Karen first put her hands into the black dirt there, it was a totally different experience than the fearfulness she'd felt in Santa Cruz. It was right. It was right. And I just felt the ancestors with the blessings and looking at this field as a gift. This time it was like... Mm-mm. It was like a calling, a beckoning. We caught up with Karen recently. Not only has she retired, but she has finally left the Bronx. A move that was bittersweet, I'm sure. Yeah, but she was ready to move closer to family. Her daughter lives in Georgia. She'll split her time between there and the Rise and Root farm. But she's eager to pass the torch. Hopefully this new generation of young people who are mixed more diverse, that things will change. So the conversation is there, it's it's happening, it needs to happen more, but the conversation is happening. She's got a lot of younger fans. I'm starting to appreciate the impact that I'm having for young people, because now they call me Mama K, and I'm embracing that name. And since we have shared so many moments of Karen's career today, we'll close this episode on one last moment that can give many of us hope. A few years back, Karen was on a panel and racing to another event. When a woman with her seven-year-old black child comes running and says, can you stop and take a picture? And I said, sure, I'll take a picture. And her mother said, you know what my daughter said to me? When I grow up, I want to be a farmer. The tears, I cried like a baby and I still get emotional because never in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought that a seven-year-old black little girl would say to a mother, I want to be a farmer. 
We thank Karen, the OG urban farmer, for sharing her story. And we thank you for listening. This has been The Story Exchange. Join us next time to hear more stories about innovative and inspirational women doing the things you'd never dream of. Or maybe you would. If you like this podcast, please share on social media or post a review wherever you listen. It helps other people find the show. And visit our website at thestoryexchange.org where you'll find news, videos, and tips for entrepreneurial women. And we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at or find us on Facebook. I'm Colleen DeBase. Sound editing provided by Carmen Borgia. Interview recorded by Sam Shin. Production coordinator is Noelle Flago. Our mixer is Pat Donahue from String and Can. Executive producers are Sue Williams and Victoria Wong. Recorded at Cutting Room Studios in New York City.